Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Bib Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk with the Point, publisher and editor-in-chief. It is uh, some distance from New Orleans to Vancouver, some distinction in the cities and some of their priorities. But when it came time to succeed Charles Gauthier, who had steered the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association for three decades, the organization turned to Nolan Marshall III, who had held an executive role with the Business Alliance in the Big Easy to come here. He assumed the role in June. It's our first opportunity today to talk to him about what he's learning, what his priorities are. And Nolan, thanks a lot. Thanks for the generosity and providing some time today. Really happy to join you. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, uh, tell me how you were looking forward to Vancouver and what it is that you've you've initially uh, learned and maybe what surprised you. Vancouver is a really great city. It's it's a one-in-a-kind destination, uh, an easy city to choose. And so I've often been asked, how did a guy from New Orleans choose Vancouver? And for all the reasons that everyone celebrates Vancouver, its location, its economy, its people. Um, and so it, it really is a, a great opportunity for me and a great organization. And it's a challenging time. Uh, all downtowns across North America and across the world have been going through uh, this pandemic together over the last 18 months. And so taking on that, that challenge uh, at a time and succeeding Charles in this role really was an intriguing and exciting. Did, did you feel um, in, in arriving that the pandemic might be inhibiting your actual understanding of the city, that, that it was, in a way, it was distorting what Vancouver was so about? Sure. So I've, I've been told you haven't seen anything yet. Uh, and it's because when I when I arrived in, in Vancouver and arriving from North America, many of my colleagues in North America, the downtowns, are experiencing uh, really the worst of times and the worst of days. Uh, restaurants closing up, retail boarding up, uh, no one working in those office towers uh, that were built uh, to support really the ecosystem of downtown travel uh, shut down essentially in North America. And my first day walking into the office in uh, downtown Vancouver, I, I walked through what felt like a vibrant and bustling downtown. It had the same rhythms and beats of, of downtowns that we're used to, people walking to work, uh, people sitting outside of, of coffee shops. And so there is a there is a vibrancy uh, that has started to return to downtown Vancouver uh, at this point that hasn't returned to North American downtowns, other North American downtowns. But what I've been told is you haven't seen anything yet. Wait until the cruise ships start rolling in. Yeah. Wait until everyone starts returning to work. Uh, then you'll really see downtown Vancouver at its best. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that this fall. We expect people to return uh, in full force in the fall. I'm, I've been to New Orleans a couple of times, and, and um, I wonder what you've so far noticed in the way of parallels. It's a it's interesting. Uh, both cities are uh, are big port cities that rely on tourism and hospitality. From uh, both cities, obviously, with being big port cities, are surrounded by water. Uh, New Orleans might as well be an island for better or worse, with a large lake on one side and the mighty Mississippi River uh, to the other side of the Gulf of Mexico on the other side. Uh, the the differences that I've, I've noticed. Uh, is that New Orleans is a is more of a sports and big events town. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in some of my introductory conversations uh, and our work at the DBBIA to launch the Granville Street Promenade, uh, there's a different culture in Vancouver around street festivals, street parties, special events, 
uh, large sporting events. And it's something in New Orleans that it's an expectation. There's something going on, something that attracts people from the region, from surrounding states, from across the world, nearly every every weekend. Uh, it's a it's got its name. The Big Easy is a big host and party city for a reason. Uh, so yeah. that, that's one distinction I've I've, I've learned uh, in these early days that it's a it's a bit harder to throw a big public gathering, a big party, uh, a destination type event in, in downtown Vancouver. Again, you you haven't been here when we've had hockey, but hockey isn't really. It's not it's not like tailgating for the New Orleans Saints or going to a Pelicans game, right? It's, it's, it is very, very different. Um, it, you know, you speak of, of that outdoor life, and I think that is still one of the things that Vancouver hasn't quite figured out, is the outdoor life. So the Granville Promenade being a good example of this. So it, is, it, is it fair to say it's an early priority of yours to start to figure out even how to, how to develop this? Sure. So we we do and we do this in New Orleans and we see this in other North American cities and cities around the world. Uh, the reason for having these outdoor gatherings, the reason for being able to host these street festivals and parties and large events isn't so much just because we love a good time, which we do. It's because it's it's good business for those retailers, those restaurants uh, that are in those neighborhoods uh, that service sort of the destination. It's good business for uh, the local economy and for the local government. We can host uh, 18 million visitors as we do every year in New Orleans when we can do that and it's consistent and we can count on that that business. And so it's a priority, not because I'm the guy from New Orleans who loves good music and loves a good party. It's a priority because as part of the ecosystem of downtown, we need office workers. We need those residents who live in downtown right on the peninsula we need tourists and visitors and we need them consistent we need to uh, enrich and encourage uh, that ecosystem to grow and sports and events and street festivals are a way to do that yeah i mean uh, new orleans of course uh, has its share of inequity um i wonder what you what your experiences so far and your impressions so far are of, of the evident inequity that you see in the downtown east side? Sure. Um, when my wife and I, we, we quarantined when we first got here. We drove eight days across the country from uh, New Orleans to Vancouver with a five-year-old, two-year-old, and a miniature schnauzer. It was quite the adventure. I may write about it one day. Uh, and we quarantined for 14 days before we actually went to uh, Vancouver. And the first place that we went was to see uh, a rental unit place to live uh, that was in Railtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the owner of the building sent me a whole bunch of information about the downtown east side. And I told him, look, I'm a guy from New Orleans. I get it. Uh, you know, the poverty rate in New Orleans is, is quite high. Living around poor people doesn't matter. It's sort of the expectation. We live in the first neighborhoods in many North American cities. But when I arrived at the corner of Hastings and Maine, uh, it was something I haven't seen before. And it was it was the first thing when I left quarantine. The first my first sort of welcome to Vancouver uh, mm. was, was the corner of, of Hastings and Maine. Uh, and so we've you know it's an adjacent neighborhood to downtown Vancouver. Uh, some of the social issues that exist there. Uh, 
we see them starting to emerge uh, throughout the rest of the peninsula as well. Uh, and so there are there are social interventions uh, that are important that have to take place. Uh, one, because it's important for our area, but also it's important that we make sure that we are helping those people in the correct way. Uh, when I was working for the Downtown Development District in New Orleans, we were one of the earlier supporters of uh, permanent supportive housing to support uh, mm -hmm. the community. And it's when done correctly, uh, true supports in place, not just a roof over someone's head, it really is powerful and it's meaningful for those those people. Do, do you feel that um, a role like this will carry with it some, um, not just some operational expectations among the business community, but almost political considerations for you as, as a leader now uh, of, a, of a very large group, a uh, very concentric group of, um, of what constitutes our retail community here? Sure, I, I think uh, whenever you assume a role like this in a community, uh, you, you become a leader in, in the community. Uh, and so one of the things that I've always done in, in my past is try to figure out uh, how I can build meaningful partnerships that uh, benefit the organization or that benefit the community as a whole, because I'm a member of this community now. And so I, you know, to sort of tie the retail uh, aspect into what we're talking about on the east side and some of those social issues. Uh, part of the experience that I've had in the past is working to get people employed who are returning home from incarceration. Mm. And one of the things that found that retailers, especially uh, special chains, but uh, homegrown retailers were more likely to hire those uh, those, those uh, formerly incarcerated residents. And so I, I mentioned that because if we can grow a vibrant retail corridor uh, on Granville in other parts of the city with homegrown businesses, those are the businesses that are likely to hire the residents who've gone through some difficult That sort of transformation is important. So I, I see myself in this role, someone who can lead in creating those just that, not just retail for the sake of value, but it's what does that retail mean uh, for the people who work there? Uh, what does that mean for the community at, at large? So I, I hope that that sort of answers your question. Yeah, it does. And I, what I also wonder about is, I mean, we obviously still have a great deal of vacancy in the downtown. We have a number of people who haven't returned to their offices and all that. Um, do you have some ideas in the early going about what's going to be the best way to get ourselves back? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's the same thing that we've always done as downtown leaders. It's creative placemaking. It's making sure that when people come back downtown for the first time, they've been working remotely, maybe they've gotten used to working from home, but there's something that they miss about downtown. We have to make sure that that experience when they come back downtown is a positive uh, and so cleanliness, safety, public activations, uh, making sure that it's the downtown that they remember as a vibrant place that they want it to be. Mm -hmm. If we welcome people back to that sort of downtown, the downtown that they expect, I don't think we'll have any trouble uh, keeping them. 
you feel in in um, in a way uh, that the stop and start and stop and start that has taken place in this pandemic uh, is is kind of culturating people to not necessarily expect that they're going to be in the downtown in the way that they've always been uh, that there that there might be a little bit of a loss of commitment if you want to call it that to the downtown sure it doesn't it doesn't make it uh, it doesn't make it easier uh, but what we've what we've found is that people want to be people are social right so people want to be back uh, people have a, a craving for a sense of normalcy of what was uh, you know, I am someone who went through Hurricane Katrina and this loss of home. And there was this same sense of, well, things are going to be completely different now. And what you find is people people have a craving for what was that last sense of normalcy that they, they had. Uh, it, we're all going through something that we've never gone through before. Uh, there's no there's no textbook. Uh, for how to do this. The stopping and starting is unfortunate. It certainly doesn't make it any easier. But I think if we do the jobs that uh, as place workers, placemakers that we've always done, which is to create a vibrant place, people to be, to people to gather, uh, for people to have a good time, people to work, uh, I think we'll see what we've always seen, which is people will come back to downtowns. Yeah. My, uh, my, one of my last questions for you ought to have probably been the first question which is, how did you find Vancouver? Vancouver how, how did you find each other? Vancouver found me. Uh, and it was one of those things that uh, most things in my life have been serendipitous. Uh, I found my way to the downtown development district in New Orleans uh, by accidentally opening an email that I never would have opened uh, in a million years. And one thing led to the next. And I found myself at the downtown development district in New Orleans. I, I had a voicemail on uh, my phone, and most people in, in New Orleans know text me or, or email me. They, they know how to find me. Voicemail is, is not the way to necessarily find me. Uh, but I had a voicemail that was two weeks old from a recruiter uh, looking for this position. And at first, I thought it was a scam. It's the middle of the pandemic. Recruiter from Vancouver uh, is calling down in New Orleans. Something must not be right. Uh, but I, I decided to call back and one thing led to another and it was uh, a great courtship. I, I convinced my, my wife that uh, Vancouver was the place for us uh, and, and obviously convinced the board. Like, and I'm really excited to, to have made this decision. Vancouver already feels like home to us. So you're gonna hold the job for 30 years the way Charles Gauthier did? Well, that's what I've told Charles. He we had a great conversation. He actually, it was 29 years for him. And I said, Charles, are you sure you don't, you know, you can stick around if you just want to make it to, to 30. Uh, he said, no, he was, it, it's all mine. He was, you know, we had, a, we planned for a 30 day overlap. Uh, and it was really great to be able to spend that time with Charles. But I've told him now I've, now I've got to go to, to 30. That's, that's the plan. Yeah, you've got to top it. Um, uh, last, last issue, which is, uh, you know, what do you think of, ought to be the ambition of this city now that you're starting to understand it a bit more. You've, you've had an initial impression of it, but can you, can you see it in a different way on the national and the world stage just by being here for a little bit? 
Sure. It, it really is. Um, you think of it as such an amazing world-class city, and it is uh, because of the setting that it's in, uh, because of the amount of value in this place. And I mean that from the economic standpoint, but just sort of the natural value that exists in a place uh, with where I can live two blocks from the beach and walk towards the mountains to arrive at downtown uh, at my destination. What I think Vancouver needs to uh, figure out if it wants to be able to do is to break through the bureaucracy to move even faster. Right. So how do we, if we want to be a city that hosts destination events, how do we move from talking about it, studying it, uh, debating whether or not we can do it and how much it costs to deciding we want to do it and then fast in that direction? If we understand that we have a housing crisis, how can we move quickly to create more supply in the pipeline so that we can address that, that crisis in a, in a meaningful way? Uh, do we, you know, my, my, my predecessor uh, was, was quoted as saying, we don't have a shadowing problem in Vancouver, we have a housing problem. Uh, and so how do we move quickly to address sort of new realities when we emerge, even though we've got sort of old historical culture that, that's built up? Uh, yeah. So I think we've, we've just got to move move faster. And sometimes that means, means moving faster through uh, bureaucracy or moving faster through uh, sort of being fed in ways of the way things are. Can you, can you affect some of that from the position in terms of the nimbleness that you're describing here with government? Well, I certainly will try. Uh, Part of my experience in the past has been intergovernmental relations. And I think it's uh, it's informed by my experience after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, I went to, I owned a business in New Orleans. That's what I thought I would do until I retired. And the business was wiped out uh, by the storm. My home was wiped out by the storm. And I thought, if I'm going to be back in the city. I don't want to just be a business owner. I want to be a part of making the city the best city that I've ever been. I went to work for an organization in New Orleans whose entire purpose uh, was figuring out how all the different diversity in New Orleans, the diverse thought, the diverse people of New Orleans could come together. What could we agree on and accomplish? And we built diverse partnerships to work on public safety, government ethics, uh, zoning, planning. Uh, we did that through building really diverse, meaningful partnerships with people who never would have sat across the table from each other prior to this form. And so I'm hopeful that having all of us gone through the shared experience of a pandemic, it creates a baseline for how do we work together? How do we build partnerships that maybe we never thought to build before to move us forward? Uh, and so that's the way that I like to move government. It's through partnership. It's not through uh, leaning and lobbying uh, in sort of the traditional sense. But if I can, if I can bring uh, advocates for homeless and addicted people together with developers who want to build more office and retail, because they all see the win of a new office population creating additional support for retail, those retailers hiring those people that folks in the homeless service addiction worlds care about. Those are the kinds of new transformative partnerships that I think really move government. And that's something that I think I can help do from this. Now, 
Um, last last point. Uh, I think you spent you say eight days to drive here. Yeah. With the family. So uh, which eight day excursion are you now going to uh, going to do on this side of the border? That's a really great question. Uh, I think we haven't had the opportunity to really explore BC yet. Uh, yeah. And, and candidly, we haven't had the opportunity to explore much beyond the downtown peninsula. And there's a lot to explore on the downtown peninsula. But we're really looking forward to uh, just getting out and about in BC and really learning uh, our new our new home. I've told everyone there's no urgency from us because we plan on being here at least 30 years because I'm a competitive person and I've got top. So we'll we'll be here. This is this is home. I don't want to I don't want to correct you, but you're going to have to learn to pronounce out and about very differently here if you're going to stay. Oh, it's it's one of those uh, it's one of those things that I, I have learned uh, working on it. Good, good. Well, there you go. I'll leave you to far more uh, significant learnings, and uh, want to thank you today for your time, Nolan. It's been a great conversation, a really good starting point for us to talk about uh, your ambitions for the city and and your ambitions for your role and. Uh, of course, you know, everybody is really behind what the BIA does downtown. Uh, it's, it's really been very, very effective and, and uh, look forward to uh, even more under your watch. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Look forward to talking soon. Nolan Marshall III is the new head of the downtown Vancouver BIA. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at Business in Vancouver. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again.